0: I would like to thank my sponsors, Maggie Flores with Southern Blues Boutique and Jessica Espinosa with Jessica's Crafty Creations. They both can do some very nice work. So y'all go like and follow their page and please support small businesses. Hey, what's going on, man? So
1: what's up?
0: Not much, man. You done all right? Yeah, hold
1: on. How about
0: you? I'm good. I'm good, man. Another day, another day.
1: Yeah.
0: Man. All right, man. We're gonna jump into it, man. I want to welcome everybody to episode thirty of Levi's Youth Sports Talk, and today we got somebody from Louisiana, LaPlace, Louisiana. Graduated from East St. John, attends Palo Alto College kinesiology major with some athletic training focus champ mentality LLC founder the host of change starts with you podcast Texas top prospects DB and LB defensive backs and linebackers coach San Antonio SATX flex zone challenge defensive back coach in Dallas Texas and that's just that's just uh a fourth of 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 his rundowns man that i can give y'all right now but I want to welcome everybody james champagne to the podcast i appreciate you appreciate you appreciate the opportunity appreciate that yep. all right man you wanna you know start off with your with your upbringing and and we'll go go on from there all right
1: i mean uh so from louisiana um spent most of my childhood in the class, uh, Louisiana. I um, was born in New Orleans, Algiers, but I grew up in Jefferson Parish, Metairie, and then the rest of my life in the class. Uh, I'm biracial. Um, dad's white. Mom's uh, African-American. on um, the order's of three. I have a little sister, eight years younger than me, and a little brother that's five years younger than me. Um, it was a... It was a challenging uh, upbringing, Uh, parents were very hard on me. Uh, High expectation, yes sir, no sir, just, it was, uh, it was different. And the main goal was to get away from that. When I got older, um, I'm not as close to, I'm not close to my family now, Louisiana, but, um, you know, I tried to turn my pain into something positive.
0: In my mm-hmm. present life. Oh, yeah, I agree. I'm in the same, kind of the same boat with that, man. You know, growing up out there and and it's, you know, you got only a few options when you're in certain areas, man. And, mm-hmm. you know, got to have to move around and, and get, get life going the right way. Yeah, I know that's right. And my area it was, man, you join,
1: uh, join the military, work at the plant, one want the plants to work at or uh that's it. <laughs> that's yeah. It. <laughs> that's pretty much <laughs> you know. Uh at that time, you know, maybe be the police, but not really. I mean it was just military or you know, work at the plant. If you worked at the plant, you was like you was rich. You you was, was like an
0: athlete. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, for real. For real. That's the same way in my area, Lake Charles plant. Everybody worked out there. Yeah yeah and so and so growing up what else what sports you played
1: uh so i played uh football so i started playing organized sports in eighth grade actually i started very late parents was not a thing so football from street football but middle school i played basketball and football um but in high school i did football and a little bit of track. I threw the driver and track uh, a little bit, but parents were very strict. They were so strict to the point to where it was like, hey, you gotta pick one sport and that's that. So uh, growing up it was a lot of restrictions and limitations that was from people, you know, that you don't expect to get that from. If that makes sense mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Yeah. And then uh, you gotta, you know, two time Louisiana six, five A Champion, two-time hardest worker recipient, voted by coaches. Man, it explain that. How, how, how was the feeling? I, I never got, you know, no high school awards. I never won no no titles or nothing like that, man. So explain that.
1: So I mean, uh, our year we were part of my junior senior we were part
0: of uh, some district uh, championship runs. Our my junior year, uh, we were. I mean. I mean, can, can you talk a little bit little bit louder?
1: Yeah, you hear me now?
0: Yeah, I can hear a little better now.
1: Yeah, so uh, my junior year, uh, we were district runner-ups, and then I seen, yeah, we tied for, uh, first for district. Um, and then, so that was pretty exciting. Uh, we lost in the first round and stuff for both years, but district champ- being a part of a district championship was cool. Wish it would have sealed the deal for both years, but um, that was cool. The hardest work I was, so... Uh, my coaches, man, every year they pick like an unselfish player award and a hardest worker player award, like on a team. And my junior and senior year, I was selected for a uh, hardest worker. Um, I found out my sophomore year, I finished second place for it, but I mean, I don't really count that because, you know, nobody really remember like second place. So Right. <laughs> uh, so <that> was, <laughs> yeah, like, but that was pretty, uh, that was rewarding for real, you know, because. That was five A. Like Texas, they have six A. But Louisiana, like five A. That's the that's the cream of the crop. And uh, uh, for that to happen, my junior year, I was coming off of a torn uh, groin injury. My sophomore year, um, I had to move positions uh, after my sophomore year after that groin injury. And for me to, especially that junior year, getting the hardest work over, man, that was huge, man. Cause we had a we had a decent senior class. Not not like my sophomore year senior class, but like my junior senior class was pretty was still kind of stacked. So
0: that was an honor, man. Okay. Yeah, okay, yeah. I I never I never was a football person. I couldn't I ain't wanna put all that stuff on. That was a little bit too much stuff for me, man. I stay <laughs> I stayed in the gym. I hooped and that that was it. <laughs> okay. All right, all right,
1: cool.
0: Yeah, you know, I was basketball like literally the only sport I played only sport I even thought about playing because I didn't like being outside. I didn't want to run in the heat for track. Mm -hmm. So I I just need to be in the AC. Must be nice.
1: That was my initial love as a kid, man. You know, the basketball stuff, but look, man, like, looking back now as an adult, I think basketball-wise I could have been maybe a Dennis Rodman type
0: Straight rebounds. Ben
1: Wallace, that's it, man. But like even like I'm not big or tall, like like Ben Wallace. Well, Ben Wallace was six nine, but like he was like big though. Yeah. You know I mean? He was kind of small. He was like six eight six nine, but he was like a smaller friend. Man, I'd probably just give you some rebounds, man. I like KD <laughs> when I was young, but hey bro, I can't do that dribbling and stuff. Yeah, and I can't hit that mid-range consistently, not like that. I can hit it in stride, but <laughs> listen, man, I just wanna get the rebound. Pass it off to somebody. <laughs> up and down the floor, showing my speed, my sprinting. <laughs> um, and look, man, I got five fouls until I get to the NBA. If I get to the NBA, and I'm gonna use them things. Hey, them that's
0: thangs. what I did. I used all my fouls. It is what it is.
1: <laughs>
0: Correct, hey, um, speak on the um, the start with the champ mentality LLC. Like, um explain what that is.
1: Yeah, man. So uh that's this is my second time doing like an LLC. So when I was in the army, and when I was in fourth steward, I did an LLC called FIL Movement. Uh, the acronym stood for Fitness is a Lifestyle, and that was good, you know what I'm saying. But like, by time 2019, 2020 hit, I needed to. I felt like I needed to do another LLC that could be still sport and fitness based, but a little bit more broad. So, thought about it. A lot of people called me champ. Uh, a few of my teammates called me champ, especially at Junior Yeah, when I got in the army something in it that was my nickname champ because of champagne and i was like you know what i'm gonna say champ mentality so acronym right so champ stands for uh the c stands for chosen the h is for hard work the a is for achieve the m is for mentality of course and then the p is for uh prepare and i thought about words that kind of symbolize me um based off each letter so uh trained with it now, you know, a performance coach out of San Antonio, um, especially after coming back from UCLA in the summer last year. I was like, man, let me make some of my own. Uh, let me make some type of name or legacy that can last for a lifetime and see, and see how big it can go, you know. Um, I have shirts and hoodies that are available. Uh, those sports sleeves that kids wear on their arms and legs, that that's available. So just wanted to put our name. Beyond all
0: the actions that's happening. So for sure. And and you got like you got like a website or or shit, put put your stuff out there, man. Let them let them know where they do you know where they can find the stuff at.
1: Yeah, so uh, I don't have a website, but I mean on Facebook, if you type in chat mentality, that's on there for Facebook. If you go on Instagram, um, it's at chant mentality underscore. Um, I also have a TikTok.
0: Yeah, hello? yeah
1: yeah Yeah. sorry about that if you go tiktok tiktok is Chat mentality underscore as well um i just don't have a twitter for it that's it but uh champ mentality is on twitter it's on instagram and it's on facebook um so that's what i'm doing now to substitute, uh, to substitute until i make a big time on that uh on that website thing you know
0: mm-hmm. oh yeah I, I hear that that's what i'll be doing with my my mobile detailing and people are like, you got a website? I'm like, nah, but you can hit me on Facebook and Instagram. Exactly, <laughs> you know what advise, I mean? man, yeah, advise. for real. Yes, you have to, man. And so, uh, speak on what is the um soldiers to sidelines? So, uh, for those who don't
1: know, uh, I was in the
0: Army. Um,
1: I was in the United States Army for about seven and a half years. I medically retired uh 2021 20, in April. So, about 20 days ago, I mean, two years that I medically retired. E6 um, and active duty service members for any branch and veterans, as well as like the spouses of uh, veterans of active duty, uh, they have the opportunity to join this soldiers of sideline program. It's basically people that aspire to coach, whether you have coaching experience or not. It's for football, it's for any sport lacrosse, soccer, basketball, um, baseball, uh, softball, volleyball. Um, they just started the sports uh, sports performance like strength conditioning uh, coach um, classes about a year and a half ago. Uh, so they, what they do is they're all year round and every month or every quarter, so to speak, they choose a sport and they repeat the cycle. And um, you, do the, you do the virtual class, uh, you attend the courses, do the little homework assignments that are not big. Or or, or or um it's, it's not it's not like time consuming and you get certified and it's like a fraternity so to speak. I didn't I'm just doing college now. So I didn't do college at the high school. So I really don't know how it is to be in a fraternity or a, you know, a sorority and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. I think with this soldier sort of sideline thing is it's kinda like a coach's uh fraternity or sorority for the ladies. Um, that that's in the coaching, that's in the soldiers sideline, because uh, there's a lot of females that are in it too for their uh, specific sports, um, and it's a networking tool. It's a networking tool also. So, uh, matter of fact, that's how I got the UCLA opportunity was through soldiers sideline.
0: So, okay, I was just going. I was just going to get into that.
1: Yeah. So, uh, about UCLA. Um, I was at the school that I was working at last year, SA Prep, and um, I got one of my coaching buddies that was in San Antonio who coached football, who I met uh, coaching at uh, FBU All-Star Game. He coached for UIW, which is in San Antonio, and now he coaches for uh, Army West Point or one of those Army College schools. I can't remember the actual name, but uh, P.J. Hardaway, he put me on the soldier sideline. Got the soldier's sideline about a year after that, this opportunity came up, paid look, you need to, uh, you need to apply for uh, his UCLA internship to be a strip coach. Uh, you can do it in the summertime and you have the opportunity to stay in the fall, but it's unpaid, but here you go. So shot my shot, sent my resume and got accepted. Uh, it was five s- slots that were open. Uh, by the time I got accepted, it, it was three of us that got accepted. By the time I got there, it was two guys, me and another guy. And then man, um, about three weeks later, it was just me the whole time. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of like the last man standing, so to speak, but still performing while you're the last man. So uh, the internship was to be a strength conditioning coach for UCLA's football team. Um, I was not a part of – the game planning I was not a part of uh tagging along with a position coach so as far as schematics and and things like that news with the ball that seven on seven piece of the practice that's not what uh the strength coaches uh really do especially in the off season so I was full blown we're gonna lift these guys we have a program we have a a workout plan each day four to five, we plan to get a break, four to five, we plan to get a break. And it's basically the lifts, indoors in the weight room. And then any field work is is basically movements without without the ball, <laughs> without the ball. So we're not teaching them linebacker techniques, things of that nature. We're teaching them lateral uh, movement, changing direction, um, opening up, explosion, you know, having some chains maybe around you while you're running, um, those type of things. It was, it was a different side of football. It was a different side of football that I was really had the opportunity to focus. Um, they wanted me to stay for the fall, uh, but it was unpaid, and which was great. You know, because they hooked me up for a spot to stay uh, with one of the GA's, graduate assistants that was on the staff, but. I need to get back to San Antonio after my four months. So I got back to San Antonio in August. I made some commitments already, uh, which was to start my first semester of school at Palo Alto College, as well as um, some of the youth teams that I was coaching at the time. And I missed my wife and I missed my house. and I'm in San Antonio, so just, <laughs> man, after four months, man, it was time to you know it was time to come on back.
0: You know, yeah. So, so, how did you get from La Place to San Antonio?
1: <laughs> so, uh, man, so I joined the army out of La Place. So, I joined the army twenty thirteen. I uh, did my basic training at AIT out of Fort Jackson, South Carolina. Uh, I was a human resource uh, sergeant in the army, human resource professional. So, for those who are army that's listening, forty two alpha was my MOS. Uh, I got to Fort Stewart, Georgia. October 2013, did about five years in Fort Stewart, Georgia. Um, I didn't deploy to Iraq or Afghanistan, but I did about 20 months overseas, uh, split between three rotations or operation deployments. But man, we call those rotations as soldiers, you know, because deployments like combat deployments is is the way it's at. I never had the opportunity to do uh, Afghanistan or Iraq, so thankful for that. But you know, kind of. You know, wanted to do that experience. But I did the five years of Fort Stewart. I did 2015. I was in Lafayette, Lithuania, and Estonia during the five-month period. 2016, six months was over there. It was between Poland and uh, Hornsville, Germany, and a little bit of Graphe Germany. And then I was still a Fort Stewart in 2018, but we did a rotation in Korea, and I was in Camp Casey career for those eight months before I uh, got on assignment to do San Antonio and I got to San Antonio which was Fort Sam Houston was the duty station that's that I was at in Fort uh, in, in San Antonio I got there 2018 of October and I did about two and a half years um, at Fort Sam Houston which is in San Antonio I was in Army South uh, so, self Com was the component, worked for a two-star general, did human resources there. Um, then I medically retired it's 2021, so, man, San Antonio felt like, uh, it felt <laughs> natural. Fort Stewart felt like natural, too, you know, because um, I met my wife there. So, uh, I was married when I first went into the Army with my son's mom, but, like, that didn't work out, and uh, I was still in Fort Stewart doing all those rotations and all that good nature. And I met my wife, twenty seventeen September, while I was in Fort Stewart. And I left for the career rotation January twenty eighteen, and back August of twenty eighteen. And I was in San Antonio by October twenty eighteen, and we were still girlfriend boyfriend mode. Um and. She came on out here, you know, she moved with me to San Antonio and then uh she moved to San Antonio with me October twenty eighteen. We did the whole U all thing, drove ourselves. And we got married May of uh twenty twenty. So next, actually next month exact, thirty days from now, uh <laughs> we'll mm-hmm. be a three year uh marriage anniversary and if it was and if it was still dating November would be it would be
0: six years if we were still dating. So yeah, no, so that's okay that's how you got here the army yeah. basically i mean yes yeah, thank y'all yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for yeah i hear that i hear that man so um speak about the um the texas texas top prospects um yeah. like is it uh, a org or, or what is it so texas
1: top prospect is not an org um it's a so Texas Top Prospects is we do combines for middle school and high school kids, eighth through eleventh, eighth through eleventh graders. Um, we started last summer doing youth ones, but it's tailored to middle school, high school combines, and we do the laser, like the actual laser machine, not no hand time, but laser, forty yard dash, indoor pro shuttle, the stuff they do at the uh, actual NFL combines and pro days. Vertical jump, broad jump. Um, also, a Texas top prospects who is owned by Steven Torres, Devin Hemfield. Devin Hemfield was the one that put me on the Texas top prospects. Um, but they are a also a NCAA accredited um, recruiting agency. So, you know, they get through, they ask the right questions, and go through the whole process. Your high school kid. Um, gets that opportunity to get mentorship through the guys within Texas Top Prospects that that know that NCAA accredited stuff uh, to help them along the recruiting journey. Um, Texas Top Prospects just started doing 7-on-7, but they do 7-on-7 locally in San Antonio. So they don't do any youth tackle teams or anything of that nature. So they're, uh, they're an actual company. Um, and Steven Torres and them, they hired me to be their DB, a linebacker coach. Um, Devin Henfield does the running backs, and there's a couple other guys that do different positions and stuff for our camps. Um, if if parents and stuff ask for trainers within the city of San Antonio youth, middle school or high school, um, we get referred based off of our vocational position um, and availability, and that's
0: that's what Texas uh top prospects is. Okay. Man, as um speaker okay, so which one which which is I mean, how do you how can I say this? I'm trying to get it right. Um, so in, in football, right? You know, you got you got the tackle and at what age like would you start your like if you had a kid, what age would you want your kid to start tackle football?
1: Mm. Oh, I mean, learning San Antonio's seven U and more recently six U has been a thing. Um, so I would say at the latest it needs to be nine U at the latest. Um, if you're really serious about tackle, fo- if you're really serious about football and tackle football, actually being a football player for your kid, or if you wanna experience or test the waters out so that way you're trying to determine if that's the route you want to take sport-wise mm-hmm. latest needs to be nine you um earliest needs to be seven you there's there. people do six you and six you is good but it needs to be six you pure meaning like you're in a league playing you're on a team full of six-year-olds and you're playing nothing but six-year-olds but mm-hmm. six and seven-year-olds being on one team and being categorized as 7U and playing against uh, traditional 7U yeah, yeah. teams that are combined, I don't really get down. I don't think that's good. It's a good thing on some areas, but I don't think it can be a fully good thing. So, to answer your question, 7U could be the earliest. 6U maybe as an exception, but 7U could be the earliest, and at the latest, you need to be doing 9U. I've had kids on 11-year, 12 U, 13-year level that are just starting football um uh, you know it's, it's some success stories hell i I, mm-hmm. I played organized football my first time as an eighth grader but i also learned footballs from the streets too you know playing against older guys when i was in sixth grade seventh grade you know fifth grade fourth grade etc so everybody's uh, journey is different but i will advise and recommend parents don't wait until they're 11 and 12 or 10 or 13 to do tackle because they've been doing flag for eight, eight, 9 10 you, because that's creating a false image in my opinion, you know, try and figure out early if this is a
0: route that y'all want to take as the kid and as a parent, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, and, and speak on the, the importance, you know, of starting young that about, you know, teaching them the correct tackling Tackling way, the way the right way to tackle, you know, and because I know I my my son he was playing, he was like four, and he was playing flag for a little while, and you know the whole org would be out there practicing. So I, you know, I would watch the uh, tackle, you know, watch yeah. that, and I'm like, out of a month's worth of practice, I, I didn't see none of the younger teams practicing the correct form of tackling. Like, like what what do you think about that?
1: So I think so. Going so I'm gonna answer this question, but it kind of goes back to the first question that I feel why parents are skeptical of starting their kids later, because mm-hmm. of um, them either being taught incorrectly, uh, the or the company that they're keeping with their kids is not investing in the proper way. So I like physicality. I like all that stuff. I like you know. Hey, I was a defensive player, so. We're not going to put you on the ground. We're going to put you through the ground, so to speak. But um, you have to – got to be mindful of the company that you keep in, whether that is choosing the right org. There are some coaches where they're in a bad org overall, but that one specific age group is pretty solid, and they're solid. There's mm-hmm. also coaches that are in a great org overall, but their age group is not really hitting the mark and they're living off the reputation of the entire org. Um, But teaching a kid how to tackle is not, in my opinion, doing, hey, let's line up and let's go one-on-ones. One kid get a ball, the other kid get a tackle, and you run straight at each other and then, okay, you do the left 45-degree angle, then you do the right 45-degree angle and you do a pop and all that, because there's a difference between a hit and a pop. Um, one thing you can do, I, I think I think it needs to be, keep it intensified, but it needs to be at a slower pace. Oh, no, it needs to be at a step-by-step pace. So keep right. it intensified, but at a step-by-step pace. What I mean, an example could be if you have a group of six-year-olds or seven-year-olds, um, have a bag, have one of those running back bags, or have a kid standing up. The other kid is kneeling down and what I teach kids there's four steps to tackling. What's the first step? Uh, oh, no, oh, oh. hey it's four steps to tackling kids. Alright cool hey look what's the first body part that uh what's the first body part uh that's supposed to hit the body at you tackling shoulder everyone says shoulder that's step one all right once the shoulder hits what you do after that hug a lot of coaches will say wrap up I like to use the word hug because hug kids like to hug kids can connect with hug When you hug someone, you usually try to wrap your – once you hug someone, behind their body, right, you try to interlock your hand on one of your wrists Mm -hmm. nine times out of ten. So hug is step two. Once you say hug, step three is what, fellas? Hey, look, um, squeeze. So squeeze means you have your hands squeezing on your – you have your hand on your wrist, but you're squeezing your elbows down or you're bringing your elbows down. Once you bring your elbows down, those legs are going to buckle of the guy that's standing up, the ball carrier. Eight, all right, so what's the fourth step? Twist the body. So, fast pace, eight, four steps to tackling. First part, shoulder hits the body. Once the shoulder hits the body, step two is uh, hug the body, where your hand is over one of your wrists. Once your hand is over the wrist, step three is uh, squeeze your elbows. So, pinching your elbows down, you're gonna feel your triceps and your arms squeeze. Once you feel that squeeze, guess what? Twist the body is the fourth step. Once you twist those legs that buckled, it don't matter if that dude's 400 pounds heavier than you or 150 pounds heavier than you or whatever, guess what? They're going to tilt. They're either going to twist and fall completely, or guess what? They're going to tw- tilt until your 10 other guys come and <laughs> finish the job for you. Um, so, And that could be an intensified drill. It doesn't have to be slow and and, and grandma pace, so to speak, but you can make that intensify without – hey, man, let's just do the generic one-on-one, let's go head up, or let's go two-on-two with two linemen going against each other and a ball carrier and a linebacker going for three-on-three. There's just – you got to – kids like cold words. Kids like step-by-step pro- pro- uh, processes. Yeah. Um, and you have to give them something that they can be able to articulate back to their parents or back to their guardian. Because a lot of cultures and uh, people in the youth football aspect, they're like, oh, those kids are seven, eight, kids are eight, those kids are 10. Um, You're trying to teach them as if they're the NFL. You're trying to give them plays and cohorts words as if they're like college D1 athletes. Bro, don't put no limitation on no kid. I'm not saying say some John Gruden play call as, you know, the play call. But come on, bro, like that's, that's a simple task. Four steps to tackling shoulder uh shoulder hug squeeze twist that's the four words out of each sentence that i just gave you about (laughs) about tackling and if a seven-year-old can say that or a nine-year-old can say that that at least shows that parent in my opinion i i don't i might not see it yet but my kid can articulate because what they got to do in school they got to articulate they can take a test all day but in some schools, and as they get older, or depending on what subject they do, they have to articulate, or they have to get on the board and write out a mini-demonstration, or write out the word, to make sure
0: that they, that they grasp it, you know? So, that's my take. Okay, and uh, let's let's get into the, the, the athletic director part, man, like, how did you get into it, and, you know, how was it being an athletic director? I mean, it's a, it's a charter school, but you still got the responsibilities of of anything else. Yeah, so
1: uh, Devin Hemphill also with Texas top prospects. He got me on with uh, San Antonio prep, San Antonio preparatory school. It's a school. It's a charter school in San Antonio. They do fifth through tenth grade. Um, I'm currently not uh, employed with them. When I went to UCLA, uh, they had to make budget cuts at the time, so you know I was one of the people that they uh, let go. So. But still, shout out to that school because they gave me a lot of opportunities uh, early in the game and to put me where I'm at today. But I got there because I just medically retired from the Army a couple of months ago. I told, I medically retired in the Army in January. My official retirement date was April. But January, I started my leave. February 2021, I told my ACL. May 2021, mm-hmm. I had ACL surgery, Devin, uh, and Phil, he needed someone to work his football camp. He needed a couple of coaches to work his youth football camp. I started, I did, I did a couple of them over there and then, um, summer was happening. So they wanted to hire a few people for, uh, to work their summer camp. I was one of the uh, camp people that they hired to do the summer camp. So I did the, I did, I worked there for the summer camp. And then by midpoint of the summer camp, Hey, look, we need a recruiter for the school. Got hired for that. Yeah. By the end of the summer camp, the reception is over there. She left to go up north uh, to go to acting school because she was like in the filming and stuff like that. Broadway type stuff. So Dev was like, hey, I know y'all hired this guy for for a recruiter, but having to do reception. So I got on to make sure I was locked in as an employee, as the receptions. And then I said that, hey, I was going to coach the softball team. We ended up not having softball, but by the time, a month within school, they did flag football tryouts and everything, so it was flag football. But I said that I would do it. Um, and we, my fifth through sixth grade flag football team, we won the regional championship in the Texas Charter League four and 09 and 1. Um, a seven and eight grade team, they did well as well. Um, they didn't have an opportunity to do their championship, you know, because of um, some disciplinarian actions or whatever the case may be but we made it to the quarterfinals and then the tackle team that Coach uh, Devin Hemfield was running, you know it was an up-and-coming first-year tackle uh, he was running a freshman tackle team with mostly 7th and 8th graders on his freshman tackle team. He had maybe 3 to 4 ninth graders on that team so he's building that program from the ground up. So did that and then helped coach basketball a little bit and uh was a part of that success, you know, with the head coach, she was outstanding. Um, and then the school wanted to make a change at the athletic director, athletic coordinator position. Um, so they told me to put my name in a hat in November. Um, I did the resume, did all that crap, interviewed December before we went on Christmas, and then by the time we came back January for the uh spring semester, I was told that I was the athletic director, so I started off the school year. As a receptionist, after working at the summer camp the summer prior, uh, and then when January hit, I finished the year as the athletic director, still doing the receptionist duties, but because it's a charter school, so everybody got to wear multiple hats. And um, ended up doing the uh, doing that athletic director piece the remaining school year. During that time, uh, we had about we had kids that did the track. That, that ran district. We had about three kids that made it to state. Um, mm-hmm. Three, All three of them were eighth grade? Yeah, all three of them were eighth grade. Um, we had a female that was on, I think, a 200-meter. We had an eighth grader who I coached in youth football, actually, Grayson, who was 100-meter. Then we had, uh, I think we had, another kid. I can't remember. Or it may have been two. I think it was just those two that made state. Um, but we uh, – ended up partnering with a AAU youth track team that does AAU track from like five all the way up to like 16 a And that guy, uh, Epic, uh, Epic track AU team that's ran by uh, Coach Lamont Hurt, he ended up getting, he ended up uh, giving 10 kids from our school um, scholarships to be on his AAU track team. So um, the coaches we chose 10 kids, you know, and that was exciting. in the short term of being an AD. We, we ended up giving, uh, providing ten AAU scholarships to ten students. Two kids made it to uh to the state track meet and soccer was okay. Soccer didn't do so hot. Um, I I became athletic director towards the end of basketball season, but I'm not gonna take credit for that even though it was the end. Um, but our boys won the ninth to 10th grade um, Texas Charlie Championship. We had about 10 kids. No, we had 12 kids and three of them were ninth grade, two of them were 8th grade, and the rest were 7th graders. Um, <laughs> so, you know, uh, that was exciting. Uh, we did a banquet for the kids, so I wasn't able to attend the banquet because I was already in UCLA at the time, but coordinating it and getting the point of contacts for the medals and, and banners and things of that nature. It was a good experience, you know. Uh, but it's kinda in life. Sometimes you gotta you gotta put a trigger on life, right? And you lose something, you're gonna gain something and do I stay? And do I stay at the school and 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 lose out on saying that I coached at a D one Power Five college. Even if it was for a summer, um, do I throw that opportunity away or do I take the gamble and go there and and see if the job's gonna wait for me when I come back? <laughs> <We> <laughs> found out, you know, I mean we found out what happened and fortunately budget cuts and things happened, so they had to let me go and they had to move on. But I had to I'm a firm believer in people that ask me what's your angle. My end goal is to build a high school program, to be a part of a high school uh, football program. You know, as a strength conditioning coach. You know, maybe on that coaching staff. You know, build uh, within that coaching career at the high school level, whether it's strength conditioning or actually on the staff. I would love to do both,
0: but I love to do
1: both. But, uh, <laughs> <to> do both. <laughs> but the two the. The two to five year goal is to coach on a college level, but it's short term. I only want to be on a college level two to five years, and I don't even want to hit five years. Why? Because experience is the greatest teacher. You can read stuff out of the book, you can tell kids what you saw, on Google, and all this crap like that, but like it's about what can you show me? And like the things that come out your mouth, you know, is it validated? Is it validated based off of your experience? So that was my thing. I I had to go for that. And I also had to go because I remember being limited as a limited as a child. And I didn't get the college experience that I wanted as a child. Um, My parents had other plans. I feel like they were trying to protect me and and support me. But like, I don't really think they understood my dream and my grind. So, you know, it, it is what it is. And I had to take the gamble, man. I I couldn't turn down no intern for UCLA. And uh, I did that. But it was a blessing in disguise because when I came back, the only asterisk I have is not having that bachelor's degree, that piece of paper that is a degree. Mm -hmm. Um, So, hey, man, it opens up up an opportunity. You're going to do the UCLA thing. All right, cool, you got laid off. Cool, guess what? You thought that stuff was sweet, so guess what, bro? You got two options. Go to freaking school, go to freaking school so you can get this bachelor's. So that way you can hit this only asterisk, you know, or uh vacancies that you have. So that's how I try to turn that um negative and to some type of positive or uh Yeah
0: turn that pain into passions for the speakers gate, see? hmm Yeah. Man, that's a that's a story right there, man. You got some you got some that's some that's real good story, man, that you got going on with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. to do to do all that kind of stuff, man. People just just dream, man. You know, you go from from Louisiana and then you you go to the army, and next thing you know, you're at UCLA Athletic Director. Man, that's that's stuff some people uh, dream about. Right. You know what I mean? So, man, like, how is it? You know, being a coach around here, and and you can go, you know, to different tournaments or, or games that these kids are playing and just to see them just getting better and better every time
1: so I feel now probably since January 9th that was the last tackle game I coached um, for like a tournament team that I had with previous kids but like being able to go to events now over the last three months um, and being a fan it's, it's cool man like it's cool uh, you miss being on the sidelines and stuff, but actually like being in the bleachers and being around the parents and hearing our stuff pop off in the bleachers, and just <laughs> witnessing the game as if you're watching it on TV at your house as a fan, but you're watching in the stands. Um, uh, it's 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 rewarding, you know. Um, I always tell people like San Antonio, and Atlanta, opportunity, man. If you want to be a barber or a beautician. San Antonio, Atlanta opportunity. If you want to be a big time mechanic, San Antonio, Atlanta opportunity. If you want to be a coach, it is too. You know, and I felt that's what I felt with uh when I got into the coaching thing. You know, especially on the youth football side, it's Atlanta. Everywhere has drama. Um, you know, people in I'm not gonna say in San Antonio, but like in the youth football world, um, the common. The common person or the common environment will follow what or who is popular, and um, that's just what it is, you know. That can mm-hmm. be good, but that can also be bad. But again, it goes back to what I just said: it's the land opportunity. So, you know, if you if if you feel or if you see or if you identify that people go, with what's popular or who's popular, and guess what, it's still a land opportunity. Shift, you know, shift and adjust and adjust your uh your pursuit and you get some success, you know, uh, like, for example, man, I live by Lackland, two, mile, two miles from Lackland, like, the last three years. But I've been coaching on the east side since I'm, the east and the north side, more so north side. Um Since I've been in San Antonio, the Converse, Shirts area, and mm-hmm. area, all that stuff. Like, I was, you know, I live in, I live Lackland, more of west side, south side type. but Yeah. More recently, since January, I've, I changed my training location to more of, you know, a different part of town, you know, or I started going out more. Not going out like, but like going out to H-E-B, going out in the community, going out to like a public park, things like that, and and, and people will recognize you. Oh, hey, you know, you, you know you're the guy that be doing a training video, stuff like that, so don't look at it as I don't want to encourage people to be like, oh, hey, take your ball and go home. Or if it ain't working here, you know, go run away and go do something else. No, it's not like that, man. Like, you got to you gotta know the difference between giving up and you got to know the difference between walking away and you have to know the difference between adjusting and firing or overcoming and adapting. And Eric Thomas, a motivational speaker, he says something, man, like, you got to go and celebrate and not tolerate it. So... That plays a factor, too. You know, I love my east side kids and my north side families and kids and stuff. And, um, you know, I love coaching now. I love training in that area. I still make efforts to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But San Antonio got four sides of town, man. They got the south side, east side, north side, west side. And, hey, man, like, change starts with you. The title of my podcast, change starts with you. Yeah. You can make it there's there's an opportunity to make some shape everywhere. You know what I'm saying? That's the chant mentality. Like you gotta you gotta wait. Like the Beyonce song, bro. Like, I woke up like this. I, I used to tell my kids, oh my wife gonna tell me, I woke up like this." Ain't nobody gonna tell me that. Like, I, I tell myself that, man. Like, you gotta validate. Like, like my son Major used to say, "Song Major white man, night, bro." Like she used to tell us every Monday, every Monday at the first formation, bro. Don't nobody validate you, but you, like. But, you, but when you say that, and you advocate that for yourself, you got to back it up. You got to back it up by your actions. Mm-hmm. And, and it's about being a last standing. you know? Every time you get stomped down, can you get back up, you know, can you adjust and modify without trying to change who you truly are, or without trying to put limitations on yourself or, uh,
0: or shutting yourself down, you know? So, yeah. Okay. So, man, uh, so how is is your coaching style different from like other coaches what's what's one thing that that you do different from other coaches
1: I feel'm not for uh, everybody but uh I feel like I focus more on discipline structure and order um over teaching play calls schematic and game plays and routine um and within teaching that discipline order and structure, I don't do it the common way. I might do it unorthodox, um, meaning cultures or people will say punishment. In the military, you learn corrective training. So mm. kid drops a ball, kid fumbles a football kid, freaking slants the wrong gap, they jump off sides because they're not really comfortable in their three-point stands or their fourth point stands. They're not in the right technical gap. Oh, hey, man, go run a lap. Bro, that kid ain't going to run a lap. They're going to run that long lap because you're going to tell them to go touch the pole and they're going to half-ass and, and ass-grab and take forever excuse my age, and, and take forever to like get there. Nah, that's not going to help them. So guess what, man? We're going to do these squats because if you're yeah. point stands, your thighs and your quads and your hamstrings got to be solid as a rock. So we're going to do these squats. We're going to do 10 squats or 30 squats. Okay, you drop the football. Cool. I need thirty squats, or you're gonna plant. or you gonna plank? Plank with your hand in the dirt, not your forearms in the dirt, for fifteen seconds. Well, coach, I'm gonna need my hands. My hands gonna hurt. That's it. Yeah, that's the point. You need strong hands, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so I will spend a two-hour practice, and if it takes out of those two hours, right, if we do seventy hours total, split. Not straight, but split based off of the consequences in the uh, results of the kids and in the practice flow and the in the coaches and the practice flow. If Seventy minutes of the practice is corrective training or punishment as people would say. Tough. That's cool with me. That's cool with me. Instead of going to touch the pole or the tree, we're we gonna do okay, hey, these ten, these fifteen yard sprints, guess what? Down back, down back, down back until I get tired. Uh-huh. why well, have them go 100 yards to go touch a tree that everyone's not going to do and they're going to walk and, dis- and disrespect the game and disrespect their teammates by not putting effort so guess what we're going to run these 15 yards down back down and back or what I used to do my fit the only run thing I probably would do for a team is an Indian run Indian run is everyone is Right behind each other, like one by one by one. You know, one by one by one, like in a straight line. Blow mm-hmm. the whistle, you run. Uh, Michael Jordan, um, for the Ch- Chicago Bulls, um, you know, they talked about it a little bit um, in the last dance, but I learned that from the Army, the Indian run. And you go, you can't have no gaps. You're running fast, and you're running at a good pace, but you can't have no gaps. Because if you have gaps, you make your teammates look like crap. But if you run slow, you're not challenging yourself either. When you blow the whistle, the the person at the end at the Mm -hmm. last line, they run all the way to the front. Mm -hmm. And I make it a thing to where it's like everybody runs. When you blow that whistle, you fall out to the left. Some, you know, some people, oh, they'll fall out to the right, fall out to the left. You know, everybody to the left. Well, cool. So you gotta be that serious because it's it's like it's order, it's structure.
0: Structure, yeah. It's all about.
1: like Brian Dawkins used to say, man, like his high it's, school coach used to tell him if he can't break him, nobody can. And if you can't know the detail of when the whistle blows, you only run towards the left and not to the right, you're going to jump off sides when things hit the fan because it's too cold outside. Or because it's a wet, muddy field and you used to plan on turf because with you, your entitled self you're not going to perform, and you're going to blame the field for your performance. You're going to blame the, 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 uh, the condition of the field for why you didn't produce for your team. Because if you if, if it, was, if it was all about you, you should have played golf, tennis, or swim, I used to tell my kids. I had this saying uh, where I say, it's not about me, and the kids would say, uh, it's about we. So it's not yeah, about sure. me, it's about we, or the hashtag me, me over we. I'm sorry, we over me, we over me. So, like, those little quotes, phrases, slangs, whatever people want to call it, you know, um, that, I think that's something that, you know, everyone has slangs and stuff, but, like, I feel for me, I, I will spend a whole practice working on discipline structure and, order, and I will do it in a more unorthodox or uncommon way for me, it's all about being um, uncommon in a common environment. That's, mm-hmm. that's the bottom yeah,
0: bottom. yeah. It's, it's always good to feel uncomfortable every now and then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Like you know, you you've been here a while, like and you've been coaching, like you know these kids, right? So like some of the ones that that you started with when they was younger, and then you know you see them, you see them grow, and you see them actually. Doing the things like that, you teaching them, right? Like, and now you, you know, some of them might be, you know, in high school, man. Like, like, what's the what's the feeling when you see them, you know, doing the exact thing that you teach them? If you watching them in the game, like, how, how is that feeling? Because I, ain't, I'm, I'm not a trainer or nothing like that. So you know what I mean. I, ain't, I, ain't, I ain't gonna never be in, in that type of situation. So just,
1: just explain that. I mean, it gave me chills just talking about it now. Believe it or not, a secret, I've never had the same um, tackle group. I never coached the same age group or the same group of kids in back-to-back seasons for a tackle uh, for 7-on-7 seven seven I have. But um, it gives you chills, you know what I'm saying, when you see them because there's kids I had on my 7 year 2021 fall team for Venom that are now 9U for Alamo City Colts or 9U for Bear County Panthers, and I see them, and, you know, they might do – some of them might do techniques and things that was taught, but most importantly, their mentality and their body language on the field and their body language in practice and their ability to take things serious at a young age consistently. Um, Those things give you chill. You know, there's kids – the seven on seven team is probably the only age group I've had consistently. I've had a fourteen year group that that made it nationally, finished number three overall in twenty twenty one. in had some of them for fifteen U last year in twenty twenty two. Some of them were selected to play eighteen U last year, and so I had some for fifteen U, and other and other kids got selected for eighteen U. And now this year, I went back down to start over from scratch, but pretty much. All of them are on ATU, and to see them now, class of 2024, class of 2025, um, it gives you chills, man, and I'm not, like, a crier, I'm not a person that, like, tears up, I wish mm-hmm. I could, like, tear up, but <laughs> I, I do, man, but, like, I know- That's that man.
0: army. Yeah, you know, I feel, that, I
1: feel that emotion, but, like, the chills be that, man, it be cold, that thing be 100 degrees outside. <laughs> You feel the chills, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know when they hug you, they show you love before, or after the game. When they parents um, show you love, you know, show you, you know, show my wife love, all that crap like that. It's like um, it, it feels, it feels like I have a purpose, you know what I'm saying? And uh, like my mother-in-law, uh, she always used to tell me when we first uh, started getting close in like 2018 when I was in Korea because I was going through a bad time. Uh, mentally, um, she used to tell me, well, she still tells me to this day, keep waking up, keep waking up. And when I get that chill and all that crap, when these kids be trying to be all sensitive and emotional <laughs> and stuff, <laughs> uh, these parents, you know, I think after the chill is over with and I cool down and not cold anymore, I'll be like, man, yeah, bro, keep waking up, keep waking up, you know, even when you feel like you won't know, wake up, or even when you feel like you won't be angry. So it's, um, uh, it's great to be a fan right now and, um, and advising. I, I never like to say training. Uh, I like to say, you know, performance coach. But even then, like, advise, man. I just I just try to advise these kids and recommend. Even when I'm training them during the session, but, like, let's everybody throw, throw that training word around. And that's great. But just because they're not on the team and I'm training them in a one-on-one session or a group session, I'm still coaching them on a um position or a certain technique or tendency, but I'm I'm advising them. giving them scenarios. Hey man, there's some stuff that you can put in your tool bag. We were juking. Cool. Hey, I hate the spin move. I hate the you're running and then you step back like Reggie Bush and then you double click in pursuit. I hate those moves, <laughs> but we're gonna go over those moves minorly, just so you can have your tool bag. But don't use that crap as much, you know you know so of I've learned recently that uh, as us lesbians, still young, you know what I'm saying our Thurs and all that crap like that. Like we don't want to end up like those old heads that we talk about now. That's like, dang, bro, like you're stuck in your ways. So you teach what you believe, and you teach what you, you know, used to. You teach what you can validate and vouch for. But you gotta, you gotta kind of be aware of what these kids kind of want to do too. But you got to get them wiggle room. It's pros and cons. You got to get them wiggle room. All right, mm-hmm. hey, look, we're going to do this expectation first. But if you want to work on some stuff that you might want to work on, this is the expectation that needs to be done in this amount of time or, you know, in this amount of order. So, um, balance, man. But chills is what I think of first, being a fan second. And then third, my mom is
0: always telling me, man, like, keep waking up. Man, that's that's I'ma steal that. Just just an FYI, is on the record is recording. So you know if you see it on Levi's U Sports Talk Facebook page, <laughs> you know, uh, man. So yeah, so man, like I know every coach is is think straight. You know they got this, they can do this. What's what's one weakness you think you have? In your coaching repertoire that you can improve on.
1: So I think my weakness as a coach is recruiting, recruiting coaches, recruiting, um, recruiting the big name, popular coaches, recruiting the big name, popular players. It goes back to kind of what I said that people support what's popular, who's popular. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a weakness. Um, because I kind of, I like working with the same guys that can fulfill certain things. Um, That's weakness number one. And then if I had to get up another one, the passing game offensively, I would say, I would say because the passing game offensively, I'm more of a hand signal code word guy. But uh, the passing game offensively, the run game offensively, I think I'm creative on. I've gotten good feedback from guys that I've coached with, opponents. Uh, I'm a defensive player, but just because you're a defensive player don't mean you know defense. But like, I, I, like I can I can actually teach specific, position-wise the defensive line guys, especially at the DN outside linebacker type, the linebacker guys and DBs. I, if if I had to order, it would be DBs more safeties, both the free and the strong. Second would be those DN Edge outside linebackers, and third would be the linebackers. But I would say weakness would be recruiting the recruiting popular names for, that goes for coaches and players. And then number two, I want to get more uh, perspective on the, uh, the passing game, meaning like actually installing and calling passing game. Things that are actually called at the, the pro college high school, freaking how it's been called for years.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Think, okay. Yeah, a strength of me is I always improvise, so people don't use hand signals, but I'll use for the route tree for the, all the routes. Man, I go hand signals. A lot of guys will go numbers, which is great. Guys will go colors, guys will say, Hey, let's run the streak or let's run the flood and all that. Man, I don't know what all that flood stuff is. Little- <laughs> go here, go here, go here. And, I'm talking about hand signals for 13-U tackle kids, 12-U tackle kids, 10-U tackle kids, 9-U, 14-U, 11-U, and you call it from the line. And it's unique, and it works, but the passing game offensively, passing game defensively. Now, as a defender... And uh-huh. As a DB coach, linebacker coach, pass game, defensive coordinator, defense coordinator. Hey, man, like. <laughs> and, 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 and I think it's like, and I think that's why I go hand signals because I'm thinking as a defensive player, so to speak, when you're calling offense in the passing game. So for defense, hey, you'll call your cover three. You'll have a two-high safety look. You'll have a cover three. One of those safeties, the strong safety probably will know that. It looks like a cover. So when you have two-high safety, people are going to think, cover two, or cover two man, or cover four. <laughs> guess what? That freaking one of those safeties is gonna drop down in that hook curl area, and guess what? He's the opportunist. He's gonna whatever jump route comes in that direction, he gonna jump and bite that thing. Uh-huh. So I can be like, hey, that guy's running. That's got the guy's running this route. If they run a bunch, if they run a bunch, I can probably tell you what they're running, what each receiver is running, or have an idea of. One's going inside, one's going outside, one's going sitting, some shit like that. But like, as an offensive coach and a person that has to learn offensive minded stuff, the three popular names, coaches and kids, is weakness number one, and number two, the passing game. Coaching the, coaching the passing game like uh, traditionally.
0: <laughs> Do you think? the recruiting is it is it you or do you think it's because you're not a san antonio native
1: so i don't think it's a san antonio native i think i um i think i don't put my believe it or not i think i don't put my i either don't put myself out there that much i don't put myself out there to as the right popular people because uh, I think that's what it is because I've had I had a few guys not many but a few guys that so one guy that passed away um Don Lowe, you know he's from the, uh, he's from Louisiana also he's actually from the Orleans, um and he recruited well but you know he paid the price you know and had the same and, and had you know and he put in his labor work but you think I was misunderstood. That dude was misunderstood, but he was <laughs> unlikely, man, Like, but, like, he was how he was, and he didn't like it, and for me, I'm not for everybody, and I'm all about sacrificing for the squad and, you know, being loyal to the brand and all that stuff like that, but, like, I'm going to do my time for that season, and then I'm going to dip. I'm going to go vacate it, you know what I'm saying, and just kind of, like, hibernate and restart. So, I think it's part of it is a little part of it is because I'm not from San Antonio, but the other part of it is because I'm not out there like, "Hey, who's your kid? This mm-hmm. is your new popular so-so Johnson." Hi, Dad, Mom, I really want your kid on my team, and they're gonna play running back because I'm, <laughs> I'm this type of coach. I'm not. I'm this type. I'm this type of coach, man. Like I even had this concern on the all se- on the Seven on Seven scene with like you know ownership and different people. Just because the team plays middle linebacker for you, does not mean they're going to play middle linebacker for the team that I coach. What are variables? Age level is the variable. Um, What the coaches on the staff think, the coach that will be coaching that position, what they think, and what we have on our roster.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I've been known to be like, hey, you got the two best – my 12-year-old t Tiber, uh, Tiber team I had for spring last year. It was, uh, probably had two of the best athletes at the age group on the same roster, and they both play running back. They both play running back. They both can play defense outstandingly. They both can hit very well. Um, what's the name? Poppy. Well, Poppy is his nickname for one. Uh, and then uh, the other kid's last name is Granison. So it's always addressed to him as Granison, But his first name is Jay And um, Grandison was more, Grandison was a better catcher and route runner. Mm-hmm. But he was a, he could run in between the tackles, but he wasn't durable. So he was, you got to get this guy, how are you going to get this guy the ball 12 times in the game? And it better not be all 12 plays as a running back. Running power or running stretch. So, and I'm talking about including special teams. Poppy, Poppy didn't have great hands, but Poppy lasted longer and was more durable. So, but they, and they were both the same body frame pretty much. Grandison was a little bit more shorter, but he had those Earl Campbell type thighs. But he was (laughs) shifty like Reggie Bush type Mm -hmm. thing. So, bro, we going look. Oh, are not gonna start them both in the backfield. Of course not. I'm starting Granison in the slot. Poppy gonna be in the backfield. When Poppy's not in the game, Granison will go in the backfield with another guy. I had this four rotation running back system. I had Poppy Granison, and I had Calvin, who was an outside linebacker for Judson High School when I was a freshman. Andrew, um, who I met as a quarterback, but he's a big guy. Court, uh, big, big guy. He's trimmed down. Um he plays middle linebacker and tight end for Holy Cross middle school now, but convert I play runner back. So that was my four runner back system. So I would start Poppy and Andrew in the backfield. Granison starts at the slot. And then if Grannison is in the backfield, Calvin goes in the backfield. Andrew can go in the slot. Poppy's off. So at any given point. One of those humans are on this, are on the bench now for defense. I wasn't a head coach; I was the offensive coordinator for this team. So if they're all four on the defense together, hey, I can advise. But like, that's not my lane. You know, I try to stay in my lane. But um, bulletin board material, man. Like you gotta, st- you gotta teach your kids, man. As an adult, you gotta teach your kids. Like you can't expect them to have bulletin board material. And have some type of hunger or have some type of swagger or have some type of you know what I'm gonna prove you wrong or I, or not or not or not I'm gonna prove you wrong, but like I'm gonna exceed expectations if you don't do that for yourself as an adult. So, you know, that was my take. So um I like to challenge the system a little bit, bottom line front. Just a little bit just to tell you.
0: No, okay. Sometimes okay.
1: it works, sometimes it don't, you know.
0: Man, that's life, though. Right, that's life. You know, you're gonna do stuff. Sometimes it's gonna be good, and next time you might try, and it ain't gonna work out too Shadow. Yeah. No. I, so, like, you know, kids that that play a lot of tackle football. Do you believe in taking the season off and play seven on seven? You know, for the for the skill positions. Uh, but but what about the the linemen and and the other guys like? What's a secondary thing that that they have, like, football-wise?
1: I believe four through seven you should do fall and spring or fall and tournament ball. Tournament ball is in the wintertime, so what I don't believe in nobody doing is spring-fall tournament and then back to spring, vice versa. So four to seven you four or five for flag is good for spring and fall. And then six and seven, you either do tournament ball in fall or spring ball in fall. Now when you get to that nine U level, I feel like the skilled guys can do seven on seven. But they can also do AAU track. Um, they can do baseball. So if you do if you're if you're a young cat and you do football and baseball, that's cool. But if you do football seven on seven in track, a track, that's perfect. If you do football and basketball, that's perfect. Uh, the linemen, what secondary things that they can do? They can do, and I think at a very young age level, maybe nine years, I don't think they do it for seven years, but linemen can do wrestling. Mm-hmm. It's a little expensive, it's a little, you got to kind of dig a little bit. <laughs> you know, there's not a lot of wrestling that can right. out in the area. Mm-hmm. And you know it might cost them to be the boss, but hey, that's what you gotta do, right? So, um, I think linemen can focus wrestling. Skill guys can focus wrestling. The running backs, the linebackers, the DBs of the world. Um, but for linemen, you can go to wrestling. Linemen can do maybe baseball. You know, work on their power. There probably won't be no outfield person unless they're like a pitcher or catcher type. Uh, What else can they do? They can do track. If, 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 I don't know if AAU does field events. I'm not aware if the AAU um, track teams do field events. But, man, off the rip, if I had a young lineman child of my own that was eight or nine or younger, we're going to go wrestling? We're going to go for field events for track? We're going to try baseball. Mm-hmm. Maybe swimming, but I, I don't think swimming, but off the rip, man. Field events for track and wrestling would be my first go-to that I would research and go after. Period. That's just me. Um, But as a competitor and as a coach, I would say that it's either spring football or it's tournament football. Tournament football is that winter time between November to January ish February ish. Spring is more February to May. So, gotta you choose your balance. You do okay. spring. And don't do tournament ball, or you want to do tournament ball directly after fall. And then guess what? Once tournament ball ends in like December January, you shut that thing down, baby. You don't mm. to touch no football unless you're doing um off-season training or or strength training. Man, you won't touch no football to like. Mm-hmm. Now we uh, can do on the chalkboard or something like that, but
0: like, man, nah, man. You ain't playing okay. yeah. on yeah. no contact? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, and your opinion was similar to I have a um, I have a cousin and and he do it, the football and the seven on seven stuff out there in in Houston, okay. and and I had him on and he was saying kind of the same. You know, you play tackle, but. You want to, you know, try to kind of, you know, get on the 7-on-7, seven seven, try to not get so much contact at the at so, such a younger age.
1: It is, man. And people, people like, they'll shut it down on something. It's like – it's kind of like they disrespect 7-on-7. Seven seven. It's like, in my opinion, they compare 7-on-7 seven seven to flag football. And 7-on-7, seven seven, yes, is needed so that way kids don't have contact all year round. But I don't like that to be the reason, because life is about choices, as we said. So if 7-on-7 was not created, no one's putting a gun to your head and telling you that your kid needs to be doing tackle for tournament all-star season, spring, and the fall. You could play basketball, the wrestling, the track, all that things. 7-on-7 should not be the security blanket to prevent or minimize contact. Or blows to your head or, or, or contact to your body. 7 on 7 should be focused because times are changing and it's becoming a passing game as an offensive person and a defender. I can, there's, there's like, there's kids that can't, if you tell them to draw a common cover through coverage on a whiteboard, and I'm talking about a sophomore, junior in high school. They can't draw it for you. Mm-hmm. They can't draw it for you. So, like, 7 on 7 is a mental toughness game. 7 on 7 is a short term memory game, good, better, and different, because you're playing three, four games on a Saturday for pool play, and you're playing four to six to seven games to win the championship single game elimination on, on, on a Sunday to second And you can draw the team right now. And mm-hmm. you can play the game at ten o'clock. It's ten twenty-two right now. You finish the game. You can blow the team out forty-four to forty-four to twelve. And guess what? Ten thirty hits. We gotta play game two. And guess what? <laughs> the steam rule twenty to ten. Mm-hmm. It, it, it it just good, better, and different. So, positives of 707 short Short-term memory, good or bad. Um, which goes along with no toughness. Number two, windows. Defensively, pass pass defense. Offensively, pass defense. Um, quarterbacks get that huge opportunity of having that clock in their head. Um, receivers get to know, you know, windows. They well, well, you told me to run a slant, coach. Well, yeah, no crap, bro. I told you run a slant, but like, if the middle linebacker is bailing, why are you trying to go behind his back? cut uh, in front of them and get that cushion. If the linebacker, if the inside linebacker and outside linebacker is greedy and they're going to bite at the first thing they see, go and graze right off that butt crack, catch the ball, you're going to have to jump, and you're probably going to take some contact, or you're probably going to take the tap. Like, that like, that's 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 my opinion on that, you know.
0: Yeah, that's why I didn't. I didn't. I didn't play I didn't football. I didn't want no contact. I ain't want nobody hit me because look, man, somebody hit me, and they, you know, in was it seventh, eighth grade? You know, the coaches they see a tall, a tall kid. Oh man, we need you out here. Exactly. Look, man, look, I'm not running no those. I got limitations. I can run <laughs> down the field, but I'm not running across the field to catch no ball because. I know who's be who be waiting there, and right. no man, I'm not trying to get hit like that. You know, like I would be ready to fight if somebody hit me that <laughs> hard. Yeah, man. You know what, man? Like, and get into, you know, man. Use a, you know, a director. You know, like not just a coach. Use a a director, East Regional Director for the San Antonio Pro Bowl. Like, um, explain that. So, uh, again, that's what Devin feel too. So, um,
1: he does this he does – Pro Bowl is like an all-star event in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Um, the kids get picked based off of the orb that they're with, like what side of town it is, east of the west side. And uh, he chose me to be the east side regional director. So, my task was to pick about two or three board members to run it with me. Um, I recommended, like, you can't do something, like, on your own. So Mm -hmm. we did that. Those two to three board members along with myself. Our first order of business was, like, um, either pick coaches for every age group or kind of, like, sign off on um, the coaches that was, like, recommended for that age group. So we did that piece, number one. And then number two, you know, you'd be present for the games and uh, just make sure that the coaches uh, stay in compliance, make sure the uniform process goes smoothly. Um, just, just that, you know, being young and being chosen to be a part of that director role or part of the, or part of the board for that. It's, a, it's, a, it's an honor, you know, it's an honor.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Um, mm-hmm. What's What's something that you think needs to improve in youth football?
1: Mm. What needs to improve? Um, what needs to improve is what needs to improve is choosing spring or tournament ball, one or the other. Tournament ball kind of goes into all-star games, too, so and I've coached plenty of all-star games and events, so I'm not going to say one is better than the other, but I think with youth football, we need to choose um, all-star games are spring, uh, number one. Number two, verifying these ages because I've been a part of things that where they'll put on the flyer, here's the age cutoff, here's the uh, documents that need to be approved, things of that nature, but when it's time to run a tournament and say if you had six teams or your age group slotted as a tournament director or whatever, say if you had six teams that were slotted, but only three show up or four show up, even of those four show up because you have to produce a tournament. Mm-hmm. Ah, man. Forget that. Like, i um uh, when I told you earlier that I just think unorthodox
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, I ain't old school but like look man we're gonna line everybody shoulder to shoulder and we're gonna and we gonna check them books like that I think mm-hmm. like I think the certification piece people would do the certification piece to check the box but then they get butt hurt in the middle of the game or early in the game or late in the game when they get a butt kicked and you mm-hmm. don't want to stop questioning stuff? Nah, bro, don't question stuff. No, because yeah. I don't condone cheating. I don't condone. I don't condone like playing kids that's older and things of that nature. But like, if you're given that opportunity to do certification check, nobody is rushing you. Mm-hmm. So I think for youth football, what could be better? The process of certification checking, the routine, the consistent routine of certification checking. Uh, number one, number two, it's either tournament all-star season for youth tackle or it's spring football for youth tackle. Um, and then hmm, – what else? Number three, like – number three, this is just for the people. Just because you don't like how something is going in youth football – the answer isn't always creating your own. That's not always the answer because when you create your own, you add on, and it spreads out the talent, it spreads out the opportunity, and it becomes watered down. Um, So stop thinking that I'm going to create my own org is the answer because when you create your own org, you have to find a bunch of, you have to find a few people that are like-minded like you for your vision and your goal. And then the final thing that kind of goes with the last thing I said, like stop worried about people rather have like it doesn't matter whose name's on it. It doesn't matter whose name on it. People will create stuff just to people will create stuff with the same kids or the same culture, and the same families, and change the name in the pretty colors. And, <laughs> and that's the fix. Nah, bro. Nah, bro. That's that's not it. Because guess what sometimes in life, man, you can change your colors, you can change your name, you can deduct a few people, but it's still what it is.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds like softball right there. Yeah. They'll make a new team every other day around here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. So, what's some, what's some good advice you would give your younger self?
1: My younger self, I would i would give my younger self um go to oh i I think I put a post about that today cause it's on like my younger self I would have been able to take to run away and go to Nebraska
0: to Nebraska
1: that? yes, so nebraska uh I had one opportunity to go to n a i a school at doing college in Nebraska and um again, my parents wasn't supportive of all that. So that didn't pop off, and I should have ran away and did that. <laughs> that. I'm gonna be honest, man. That that's just what it is. Like you know, uh, that would be that would be the best advice that I would give my young self. Go to Nebraska, and number two, um, number two, man, just. I should've got away from Louisiana before I made certain decision. You know, don't oversta don't overstay your welcome. Hmm. And don't and, and don't put and don't put limits don't put limitations on yourself. If mm-hmm. you feel you're not ready. Don't wait until the last minute to uh pull
0: the trigger on things. Yep, that's it. That's it. But we that waiting until the last minute got me. You got yeah, me good, you, you know, know, like especially when you're
1: in your, you know, especially when you're in a certain household, and you feel like, oh, you're a senior, you're 18, you just graduating, got the, the guardians or whatever, putting stuff in your ear and on it, man. Sometimes you gotta sacrifice being homeless in that ditch mm-hmm. in order to make it happen, you know. Sometimes you gotta like. I always had that kind of leadership mentality, but I didn't learn the empowerment piece until few years after I was in the Army. So, number one, what I tell my older self, get to Nebraska after after senior graduation at any cost, even if you had to freaking walk there. <laughs> I'm dead serious, bro. And number two, like, uh, don't, you know, number two, just... Don't make no uh don't make no permanent decisions, man, because you know because of the environment that you're currently in man, like and um number three trying to find love in all the wrong places and faces, man. Ang anger sometimes causes you to uh try to find love in all the wrong places and faces, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it took me. It took me to get to Texas to realize what a whole bunch of stuff really meant in life. <laughs> in life, what's what's some what's some good advice you would give a a high school senior going into uh, his freshman year, his or her freshman year in college, but a, but an athlete, you know, going to play play ball at the next level. Oh
1: time they already signed so they're the where they going but uh, <laughs> uh, so I would say um block out the noise as much as possible that will be extremely hard um, you are the company that you keep so find a company that you can keep um Everybody needs a mentor or an advisor or a recommender, and that person or persons needs to result or revolve around where you say that you're trying to go. And then I think about what Inky Johnson says, another motivational speaker about commitment to staying true to what you said, even when the mood you said in has changed, and you have to find a mentor, recommender, advisor based off of that. And hey, you gotta find a company that you gotta keep, based off of that, and um adapt, but don't settle. What I mean by that, if you play, if you were freaking all-state safety, and they tell you you need to play corner or you need to play outside linebacker, then don't get buttered. Mm-hmm. Do people, like, prove them wrong. People shy away. People get mad. People like downplay the. Prove them wrong. You're trying to make people be evil. No, it's not that, man. Like, it's mentality, man. Like, prove people wrong, but like have some control over it, But man. You can't just sit there and just lay down. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. um, that, that's the main thing, man. You are the company that you keep. So find the right company that matches what you say that you want to accomplish. Number two. Everybody needs a recommender or advisor or a mentor, based off of what you say that you want to accomplish, and stay stay committed to what you said, even when the mood that you're sitting has changed. Because there's gonna be plenty of times um, in your life where you don't
0: hate life, and that mood will change. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure, and and so. Down, down to the end, to the last question that I like to, you know, ask to keep this thing rolling. Mm-hmm. Who would, who would you like to hear on the on the podcast? But the answer is, you would have to help me get them get them on the podcast. Who I would like to
1: hear uh, on the podcast from like my area,
0: like like who, whoever, who whoever you would like to hear on the podcast, you know. But but whoever it is, you you gotta. I stole this question from all the smoke, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, so hey, okay. you know what I mean so you know whoever whoever you pick you gotta how they how Steve Jack go whoever you say you, you gotta know who they is I don't uh, know them. so you know what I mean? uh-huh. you got able to send that message out and, and try to get them on here so uh
1: no specific order, but Devin henfield number one. Number two, uh, no specific order, but Devin Hemphill, um, Rob Kaufman, those two guys lay me known in the city or above anybody else. Um, so those two guys, James Henry, who um, who trains in the city as a performance coach, um, played for the University of Texas back in the day, him, uh, James Henry, Devin Hemphill, Rob Hoffman, um, Samuel Allen. Coach with him for the Alamo City Colts, but he was my last boss in the Army. Also, he'll be a good choice. Also, uh, <laughs> ah, I think that's it for right now. As as far as people, that's there's a lot of genuine people. There's a lot of people that you know I can owe my gratitude to, but. Rob Kaufman and Devin Henfield, they put me on in the city. They put me on to all that stuff that you know about me. Uh, Samuel Allen, obviously, and then James Henry, as far as, like, training performance coach, like, he does it the right way. Um, James Henry, I do want to shout him out quickly. You know, we don't talk every day, but, like, he's one of the guys that kind of does – that that's involved in the same thing that I'm involved in. Um, probably more experienced. Probably you know, he, he's up there. He's elite. But one thing I respect about Jan Henry, he don't water down other people in order to uh, in order to gain clientele. He don't water down other people's opportunities and visions and uh, and events and and things in order to uh, boost or rise his. So I can respect that because like he don't talk, he just he don't talk, he just execute. That's something that I always tell my kids. So um he's a guy like that does what I do and that I do what he does and like in the same type of field the industry. He's okay. uh, I, I I I respect James Henry a whole lot, man. Like he don't hold no information. He don't like Talk down on other people's stuff, indirectly or directly. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. James
0: Henry, Rob Kaufman, Devin Hunter, probably Sam Allen, uh, Allen. Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, you know, if hey, if you wanna, you know, shoot him a message, and then you can shoot me that info. I shoot him a message, and we'll see see how we go from there. Yep. All right, man. I wanna appreciate you, man, for giving me your time. I know it's late. You know, giving me your time out to be on the podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Good knowledge you gave and stuff like that. And I
1: appreciate the opportunity for real. Uh hope this impacts somebody and uh man, I hope we can make
0: this a a routine thing, man. Oh yeah, yeah, man. We need to keep this keep this rolling. Um just before, you know, before we get out of here, man, just you wanna give out all your social media stuff and, and whatever you know put your stuff out there
1: yeah so uh my tiktok is uh at underscore coach james champagne spelled like a drink my facebook is james champagne that's my personal page my uh, champ mentality page is on facebook also my id my instagram is at underscore Coach James Champagne personal page um at underscore Champ Mentality Twitter is uh, at a y o underscore Champ um that's that's my stuff and then my podcast is Change Starts With You um or James Champagne Jr. but Change Starts With You is the title of the podcast that's on Spotify Apple uh Apple Podcasts um Anchor. Um, all that good stuff, and um, man, I think that's it. You know, uh, LinkedIn, James Champagne, also, you know, I have LinkedIn as well. So, uh, that's pretty much that, man. But um, I appreciate the opportunity, opportunity for being on here. One last thing that I say, kind of on my podcast, you know, that I want to kind of just uh, leave with people hey, you know, um, you matter, you're chosen, you know, you are more than enough. Woke up like this because you said so. and nobody had to tell you,
0: and be the change that you want to see, and remember, change sauce with you. No, already, no, already, man. And and I'm I'm gonna message you, man. I got a, I got a my fam here in Houston, and he being into that 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 seven on seven and all that stuff too. So you yeah. know, maybe y'all can be in some catch up with some tournaments or some shit like that. Yeah. For sure, man. Appreciate you, man.
1: I right, appreciate you.
0: All right. I thank my boy, Mike Estrada, for getting the logo right. So, all my small business owners, if y'all need some logos, y'all hit up my boy, Mike, man. I like my boy, Thomas. He's still out here getting them kids right. So, y'all speed and agility. Y'all need to hit him up. He got some quality work. My boy, Jeremy with the tent. Go follow his page on Facebook, GTZ Window Tent, and, and hit him up. May y'all get them appointments in. Levi's reach some more. Let the wife get them doors looking good. I know them doors might be naked, so go ahead and let her get y'all right. Levi's Mobile Detailing, just a call away from getting them cars to looking brand new again. So y'all hit us up, and we ready to get some work in, all of us.